because we're looking at the Croydon Refugee Centre today, aren't we? Well, good morning, everybody. I've got great pleasure in introducing Rosie and Alejandro. I've known Rosie for about seven or eight years. I know her through Croydon Refugee Day Centre. Um, you may know her through the school over the road, um, where she's a, a part-time teacher. Yeah. Um, Rosie, I found out this morning, actually, has been involved with Croydon Refugee Centre for about 20 years on and off. So she's really seen people come and go, managers come and go, etc. Um, and I believe you started, Rosie, um, teaching English. That was your first uh, job. <laughs> um, and I know Rosie's been very involved in something called the Family Education Project. Um, and um, I'm not sure if she'll say a word about this now, but you're very welcome to talk to any of us afterwards in the foyer. Um, and this is helping children and families. If you can imagine coming to this country, being stuck in a room, you don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't know what's going to happen with your asylum process. Um, and you can't get your kids into school. And you don't have internet. And you don't have a smart smartphone. And everything you try and do says, you must do this online. So Rosie's been very instrumental in getting uh, people into schools, getting bus passes for older children, etc. So um, during the pandemic, I got to know Rosie a bit better. Um, I would get phone calls at funny times of night saying, I'm in the refugee centre. I'm looking for some medium-sized men's clothes. Do you know where they are? And I'd scratch my head and think, so... Um, and I've met Alejandro um, one and a half years ago. I looked back on my WhatsApp, and he arrived with his family and was living in, or is still living, in the hotel up the road. Um, still in the same room, so this is 18 months. And when he arrived from El Salvador, a hot country, we had to find some um, emergency clothing, some warm clothes. Um, so... What am I going to say today? Just quickly, they are going to talk, but I want you to listen to what they say. Alejandro will talk a little bit about why people flee their countries, and there are many different reasons. But for many people in El Salvador, it's a country brought to its knees by gang violence. Gangs um, can control the police, civic society. Um, if you have a business, You'll have somebody demanding money. Um, it's, it's just a, a country on its knees. And a few months ago, the gang said to the government, who are trying to establish law and order, we will show you how powerful we are. And they murdered 87 people at random in one weekend. So that's the sort of terror that people are fleeing. So... I just ask that we think today about how the Lord Jesus can perhaps allow some of us or enable some of us to help people who live on our doorstep in a hotel locally who are living in total limbo. Um, how can we help befriend them, offer them help, offer them hope? There's a notice sheet that I, that's on the board over there and I'll put some at the back. So, without further ado, I will hand over to Rosie. Thank you. Thanks. 
Thank you, thank you, my banker. There's a little PowerPoint, and then Alejandro is going to talk to us. Thank you. No, this is right, this is right, it's just the sound, yeah. Maybe you have to click the little picture with the... With the little audio. Does the sound not... No, oh, darn it. <laughs> Imagine that. It's a, I don't know if you know Linkin Park, they were like an indie band that some people will love and some people won't have heard of. And um, they've, they've done a song called Iridescent, Iridescent which is like, um, oh, it's really powerful. I want you to all just sit here and be listening to it. But um, uh, about how you were kind of lost in devastation and yeah, it's kind of, you have to go home and listen to it <laughs> and imagine that bit. <laughs> cool. Yeah, just, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Alejandro. As Ivanka was saying, I am from El Salvador. Um, I arrived here 18 months ago with my family, my wife and my sister-in-law. Um, fortunately, I do speak a bit of English. Unfortunately, my wife and my sister-in-law, they don't speak. Uh, they are learning right now. Um, and as you may know, and, and, and Ivanka was saying, uh, it's been really hard for, for us to, um, to get used to a, a new country, a new culture. Uh, the weather, the, uh, it's kind of, of crazy here because sometimes it, it can be raining and, and a few minutes later, uh, it's hot and uh, you, you know how it is, how it is. So in my country, it's really hot, and as Ivanka was saying, it's pretty dangerous. There are laws, but everyone can break it without any problem, without being punished for it. Uh, the gang members are everywhere, and the main reason why we are here is because we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, we were able to, to escape from these people, uh, Somehow, I believe that God helped us in that way and, and we were able to escape. But we were like, we were really scared and we passed like a month. It, it was in the middle of the pandemic and we were at home. I, I was able to work from home and, and it was easy for me. But um, we were in the house for a month without going uh, to any place because we were scared uh, on top of the pandemic, right? But we decided to report this to the police, to, to report what happened to us to the police. Somewhere far away from the place that thing happened to us. And suddenly the, uh, the gang members found us right after we reported that to the police, meaning that maybe the police is linked to the gangs and uh, they could found us, and then 
is where we decided to, to leave the country. Uh, the gang members are not only in my country, uh, but everywhere else. Uh, the new countries like Guatemala, Mexico, Honduras, uh, even in the United States, uh, they are over there. So the gang members that are in the United States, they are sending messages and sending directions to the people that is in my country to say, do this, do that, or send me this. And uh, it involves drugs and many things. So it's pretty dangerous for us to, to go over there. We decided to move this side of the world trying to be brave because I knew that I was the only one uh, maybe capable of, of, of having that, uh, or, or to start a life here, knowing that my wife and my sister-in-law, we are grown-ups and, and it's difficult for us to learn the, a new language uh, and everything. So um, it, it was a huge decision for us to make and uh, I was here like about five or six days ago telling the, uh, a bit of the story uh, about what happened to us and, and sharing the, the, our experience. And I said that there are many things I would like to say because everything has is, is been difficult even from us before we arrived here because um, like six months before we, uh, we decided to come here, um, my wife and my sister-in-law, they were really sad because my mother-in-law, who was living with us at the, at the time, she passed away. And they were really devastated. And in my country, we, we lived all together because in my country, if you want to survive or to have a nice place to live and try to stay away from the gangs and everything, uh, you cannot do it alone because you cannot earn that much money, you have to live all together, and that's why we are still together here. We are in the same room with my wife and my sister-in-law. We used to, before, before, uh, we, when we arrived here, my wife's uh, goddaughter used to live with us in El Salvador as well, and as she was living with us, we decided to take her, and she was 17 at the time. And uh, after all this introduction about why we are here, I want to say that we have faced that, or we have witnessed the two sides of, of uh, the UK, the good people and the bad people, because whenever we arrive here, the first impression we have and the first feelings we, we felt were desperation and we wanted to go back to our country. Because when we arrive here, uh, the people at the airport treat us like, like rubbish, I would say. Uh, mostly my wife and myself. And that is because after, I didn't get it at the beginning, but maybe they thought that I was the only man with three women uh, coming with me. They thought that maybe I was doing like human traffic or something like that. I, I don't know how to say it. Because um, they started to, to say, oh, your shoes are, are nice. Oh, you have a nice watch. You're doing better than me. That's what the, one of the, uh, the people told me. And, and I said, oh, really? Like, I didn't get it at the moment. But gathering all the information and all the things that, that we pass over there, that means that they thought that I was a criminal. 
and they made me, they really made me feel like I was doing something wrong when I was not doing anything at all. And my wife and myself, um, you go to an interview, uh, as soon as you get the, to the airport, you go to an interview, and as soon as you, you end, uh, you're going one by one. So I was the first one, and I was desperate, and I was trying to not to cry and to say anything. I was trying not to show how I felt to my wife because I, I know her and, and I, I didn't want, want her to see me like that. It was her turn and when she came back, she was crying. I couldn't hold it anymore and I started to cry as well with her. And we said, depending on what they say to my sister-in-law and to my goddaughter, it's better for us to go back to our country, even knowing that we could got killed as soon as we arrived. So, because it, it was really awful. Uh, we felt really unwelcome and um, my sister-in-law and my, uh, my wife's goddaughter, they were, they were treated like, like victims. So that makes me feel like they thought that my wife and myself were doing something wrong with them or to them. And they were the first point of, of authority we face when we arrive here. So we were sent to the hotel, and after that, if we, if we saw a police, a policeman or whatever, or we listened to a siren, we, we felt that, that, that feeling of, of being, uh, I, I don't know how to describe that, but, but really, really, I, I was really afraid to see someone even if I know that I didn't do anything wrong. Um, we needed clothes, we needed food, because we are grateful about everything we have, uh, have been given here, because uh, we are given uh, a place where to live, uh, we, are being, we are getting meals and everything, but the food is not, is not what you expect. And at the airport, I remember, and I was telling this to, to, uh, to Rosie, that at the beginning, they set the expectation that we would be at the hotel room 15 days only. And after 15 days, we will receive a letter saying that we would be dispersed to a flat or to a house for, only for us. And we would be receiving some help uh, from them, some money, which is like 40 pounds a week each, so we, I know it's not that much, but it would help uh, somehow. And it's been 16 months and we are still in the same place. There, there have been some attempts for us to be moved. Uh, I recognize that. But as I mentioned to you, my wife's goddaughter came with us and she, whenever she turned 18, and since we are in a different place where she feels safe and she could be independent. She decided to, to initiate her own uh, application, so she decided to move on. And we received the first dispersal letter like one or two months after she, was, uh, she became 18 and, and she decided to separate. So we report this to the home office, to the people in charge of it, and they, they were supposed to fix it. But the first time uh, that we were supposed to be moved, they send us a letter and she was included. 
uh, in the end, many things happened at the moment. We were already on the taxi on our way to the, the new place, but suddenly the taxi driver received a phone call saying that we were not supposed to, to be moved altogether, but only my sister-in-law. We said, it doesn't make sense. We will ask for, for all of us to stay together, the three of us, and my wife's goddaughter was, was uh, going to be separated, but it was not the way we, th that was, was not the way that we wanted to be. So we decided to ask, we, uh, and that happened like eight months after we arrived. So we waited a long time, and we asked them to, to fix it, and it happens that it took another seven months for them to fix that first problem. But whenever they fix it, they ended up canceling the trip again, the travel again, and we needed to wait another month. We received another letter saying that we, we were supposed to be moved to somewhere else, um, and the same thing happened. They ended up canceling. And then there was a fourth time, and they ended up canceling as well for no reason. They didn't fix, uh, apparently, uh, how, what I feel is that they are doing this intentionally because there's no way for you to ask for something to be fixed. And they are making the same mistake four times. So it's making me feel desperate. I was coming with the, uh, well, I was not good, obviously, because I was running away from someone who tried to kill us. But I was feeling starting to feel good here. I was, my, my batteries well, were full at the moment, but now everything bothers me. And being three people together in the same room with no privacy, with no, with nothing. You cannot do nothing in the same room with one toilet. There's no cooking facilities. Uh, there's no TV, there's nothing else but our cell phones. We are having, we are getting Wi-Fi there, but there's not much to do. So me and my family, we are trying to be busy all the time. Uh, this week is, is refugee week from the 20th to the 26th. And we've been joining different places, different activities to have something to do because Mentally, we are, we are really bad. We may look happy. We are showing a smile on our face. But honestly, I, I, I would say, I, I think I can talk for them as well. We are not good. We are not good because you need everything uh, as, as everyone else ha has it. Um, maybe I'm not saying all as I wanted to, 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 to say or to describe it, because there are many things, as I mentioned to you at the beginning. But what I want to make clear is that people is coming for different reasons, for many reasons. Maybe my reason, I feel, is bad, but we were lucky. Nothing happened to me. I'm, I'm good physically. But some other people is facing wars. They are facing war. They are facing different type of things, and, and it's difficult for them. But all of us have something in common. 
we are normal people wanting to live happy, wanting to live in a place, a safe place, and be happy with our families. That's all that I'm looking for. I was telling Rosie and, and, and Ivanka and, and all the people that were here last time um, that I got the right to or the permission to work, and I was really happy. And that happened 12 months after I arrived here. But it happens to be that I cannot work in the places I want to because I don't have any, any degree. I started the university in my country, but I dropped it for the situation in my country. For many reasons, I needed to find a job. I had two, <laughs> two jobs at the same time, and I, I didn't have the time to study. But um, the problem is that you can find a job here after 12 months of being waiting. If you are a doctor, if you are a, a, an engineer, or if, if you have any qualification, basically, if you are a professional. If you're not a professional, you have, you have to keep waiting until them, uh, until you have your, your papers, until you have the right to, to remain here, and, and that's something else. Whenever you receive the, the, your papers, you have 28 days to change your life, to, uh, to be able to open a bank account, to find a job, to find somewhere else that you need to, to live because you're going to pay for your own things. And that's okay, but 28 days, I think, is, is not enough. After being waiting without being able to do something else. So it, it's pretty difficult for, for people like us, for people like me, to, to start over, to start a new life. It's really difficult. And we are grateful to be here because many people, we have... Uh, we have many people helping us, Rosie, Ivanka, and many other people. I have met all of them, and, and I have met someone I never thought I could, could find. You know Mark? He's my football coach. That's the, I'm attending to, to a football session on Wednesday. I love football. I wanted to become a professional football player when I was a kid. I couldn't, um, but I love football. And Wednesdays are the only, it is the only day that I, I have for myself. Otherwise, I have to be doing many things for my wife, for my sister-in-law, for me, for everyone. But Wednesdays are the only days that I can enjoy myself, play football, and talk with, with my coach uh, because he picks me up, he's picking me up at the hotel and taking me to the, to the park to, to, for the training session. And... It's funny because I enjoyed the training session, but I also enjoyed the way uh, to get there because we are talking about football, about everything. And more recently, we've been talking about our families. He knows my family, I know his family. And, and it's like a friendship, it's, I feel good. And um, me as a head of the family, I'm okay doing that because I like to provide my family. But as I mentioned to you, on Wednesdays are the only a few days that I can I, I, I can feel I, I can feel myself. Otherwise, I am doing everything for everyone, and I'm glad to do that because 
I'm Christian as well. I'm Catholic. I was raised in a Catholic school. And, and I believe that if I'm smiling here and I've, if I'm standing here in front of you, I, am, I may not seem like a shy person or an introvert person because obviously I'm here talking to you. But honestly, I think it's not me. I, I think it's, it's God giving me the, the, I feel brave because of him telling you all this so you can have a better understanding of, of all the things that we face in our countries, in here. And the only thing we want to do is, is as I mentioned to you before, is, is live in peace in, in a safe place and, and be happy. That's basically. We're going completely off script here, but I feel like I just really want to pray for Alejandro. Is that all right with you guys? That's... So, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would bless Alejandro and Leila and Lorena and Gabby. Father, you know what he's been through and you know that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And you know how he has been so resilient for so long and he's tried to stay positive for so long with so many disappointments and his batteries are just empty now. So Father, I ask that you would bless him, that you would make your face shine on him, that you would make his dispersal happen soon and his claim just be processed as it should. Father, that you would fill him with your strength and your new energy and that he would know that you are with him and that you love him and that you have a future for him in this country. So, Father, bless him and thank you, Father, that he could come and share with us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you, Oh, yeah, I'll, thank you. I'll scrap the first bit because it was what, what Alejandro was saying was more important. Than <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> if you have any question, I, I can. Maybe we should, at the end, we can chat like one to one. That'd be really sure. good. Thank you. So, um, um, yeah. Uh, listen to Doug's preach from this morning on the podcast or the recording, whatever it was, because he talks about how in the Old Testament all the stuff comes about caring for the stranger, the sojourner among you. And um, there's so much of it in the Old Testament. But I'm going to jump to the New Testament where Jesus, okay, Jesus. So Jesus was a refugee. Jesus became a refugee. So um, in the birth narrative, Jesus Do you remember the bit where he gets born and then the wise men come and they're looking for him, the wise men, the magi, and they say to Herod, they go to King Herod and say, where's this baby who's going to be the king? And Herod goes, a baby who wants to be king? Oh my goodness. Um, And he's really paranoid, despotic ruler who then decides that he needs to try and kill Jesus. And so he sends all of his soldiers to kill all the baby boys who are under two. And... Um, so Mary and Joseph have to flee to Egypt with baby Jesus. Well, he's kind of toddler, toddler Jesus by then. And um, um, I wanted to just bring that 
um, Jesus being taken by his parents to become refugees to seek asylum in Egypt. I wanted to bring that into the modern day. So, um, you know, in our reading, it was saying, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Um, and to think what that might feel like if kind of Jesus and Mary and Joseph were here in Croydon now. So if you, if you travel with me in your imaginations, um, this is just a little bit different. So Jesus refugee experience now. So um, Joseph and Mary, let's call them Yusuf and Mariam. That's names that comes often. And then little um, Issa, little Issa, okay, who's kind of two now. So they have relatives here. And Mariam is pregnant with baby two. Maybe James is on his way. There are no humanitarian visas or safe legal routes open to them. So they somehow, through a series of unkept promises and untrustworthy guides, find themselves on a dark beach in France, somewhere near Calais, with toddler Issa, bewildered by the torches and shouting men, being crammed with far too many other people onto an orange inflatable boat bound for the English Channel. Yusuf can swim in the warm river water around Nazareth, but doubts his ability to keep his precious family safe if there are large waves and the flimsy boat capsizes. Why did the Magi have to alert Herod to their existence? Some wise men. Marion can still hear, reverberating through her memory, the screams as Herod's soldiers snatched her neighbor's precious sons from their mother's arms and blood flowed. The wailing of Rachel, mourning for her children, is still the soundtrack to her nightmares. There's petrol mixed with the salt water swilling around in the bottom of the boat. They had to leave everything except their cell phones behind, including Yusuf's carpentry tools. How is he going to afford to um, buy some more to make a living for his family? If the sun is hot and they're stranded just sitting there, little Issa will dehydrate really badly. But mouths parched, stiff, exhausted, hungry, scared, and bone-weary, knowing this experience will be etched permanently into the psyche of little Issa, they finally stagger gratefully onto a pebbly beach somewhere in Kent. They have no idea why there's a flag-waving group with angry faces chanting at them to go home. They would infinitely prefer to be safely back at home right now. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Or perhaps Joseph and Mary are from South America. Let's call them Jose and Maria with little Jesus. They managed to get a study visa for an applied carpentry course, and they're at Heathrow with toddler Jesus grizzling from how the plane flight hurt his ears. Jose has his tools with him, but is currently in an isolation room with a uniformed man shouting in his face. He doesn't know the exact formula of words to claim asylum or to make the shouting stop. The uniformed man clearly doesn't believe what he's saying. Back on the road out of Bethlehem that night, it seemed a smart idea to head for Scotland, that little-known country where Herod's intelligence team would be unlikely to track him down. But now it's clear there's no chance of making their onward flight to the obscurity of Glasgow. They have no control over their destination. He can hear Jesus crying in fear outside the door, and Maria's whispered attempts to soothe him. Adrenaline and cortisol are coursing round his veins. Every muscle is clenched, and he's sweating with fear. 
I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Or fast forward a fortnight and Jose and Maria are now in the hotel room in Croydon, a couple of streets away from here. Jesus is crying again because he's hungry and he wants his nana's cooking, sat around safely on doting grandparents' laps, munching pistachio nuts and sour cherries while his cousins play peekaboo with him. Here, he's bored, frustrated, lonely, and he doesn't even recognise this congealed grey fork full of pasta as food. The doctor glared at Maria this morning as, when he weighed Jesus and rolled his eyes when Maria wasn't sure of the date of his last NMR vaccination and she hadn't got the data on her phone to check it where she took a photo of her vaccination record before she came. She can feel the first flutters of baby James moving inside her and yet doubts her ability to parent another child without any support in this inhospitable place with no family, no money, no kitchen, no friends, or even toys. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I asked two of my friends, who Alejandro knows, who are currently here seeking asylum in Croydon, what it feels like to be a stranger in England, and listen out for some of the ways that they felt really welcomed. Um, Cynthia, you might well recognise one. This is, this is an architect friend who's, who came quite a lot to Christchurch, I think, for some meals. And I think a couple of guys have been to the, what is it like, mums and tots, parents and tots group on as well. So she said, we learned living in Croydon that need moves mountains. We had to lose all sorts of shame and pride and go to any food bank people told us about to have the other options of food than the hotel food. We were in long queues next to homeless or ill people in a pandemic with cold that reached our very bones. But it was worth it because we got something half decent for our children to eat. Thank God for these organisations, and I know many of you are involved with the food bank, that helped us with hunger many times. We lost a lot of weight those months, firstly due to bad diet, secondly for the walks to the food banks. We called them angels, the people who completely changed our perspective on English people. Before we got to this country, I thought all British people were really cold and serious, but it was a wonderful surprise to realise they're the opposite, amazing, full of life. People who donate their time and knowledge to help everyone at the hotel. No ethnic, language or age discrimination. Um, people who cook for us sometimes to be able to eat something nice that reminded us of home. And eat at a table, because in the hotels, the dining room's closed, so we just have to eat in our rooms on our beds. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Another asylum-seeking friend, he's from Tyre. You know Tyre and Sidon? Gets that mentioned a lot in the Old Testament. He, in Lebanon, and he had a very whizzy job training teachers. And he said, it wasn't my wish to leave the home I love and to leave the job I love, but I'm here now in the UK. Believe me when I say it's not easy to skin a person by taking away everything that gave his existence significance and meaning. An asylum seeker isn't a burden that would bring troubles to a community. In contrast, they're often the most ethical and humane, the brightest and most resourceful from their own society. We were standing up for community. We knew that serving others is the best way to love and, and shield human values from disintegration. We're peace seekers who've survived the jaws of anti-human monsters in our countries. We come in peace. 
The welcoming hands in this country patted our shoulders, smiled at us, and proved that there is still hope. They understand we're not aliens and treat us as if we were born from the same mother. They say what happened to you could happen to any of us. The volunteers from different charities and organisations, the men and women and seniors. What do I want? Simply peace and another chance to start again. I want to feel I belong in this community and return the favour by using my skills again to contribute in building up its future, whether or not I live to see it. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And then I think Jack's got just got a little video which um, is just really short and just shows kind of what we do at the Family Education Project. It's really short. <laughs> Thank you. 